Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now September the 15th, 2023. I'm not going to lie. I'm really bummed. The Orioles are 91 and 55. I'm not bummed about that part, but I am bummed that they lost the opening game of their series to the Rays, 4-3 on Thursday night. The Orioles' offense was held to just four hits for the entirety of the game. Two of these were solo home runs. Ryan O'Hearn, solo homer, initially gave the Orioles a 1-0 lead. Gunnar Henderson later hit a solo home run that cut the deficit to 3-2. The Orioles only drew one walk in the game, so that's five batters safely reaching base. You are not going to win very many games where that is the case, and sure enough, the Orioles did not win the Thursday game in which they struck out 15 times. So, you know, in a one-run game, with as high stakes as there were going into that series, little things just loom so large from that, you know any any one-run game in September against the team that's chasing the Orioles in the standings. I think, to me, it was unfortunate to see Aaron Hicks get caught off guard as the Rays had an aggressive send on a base hit that led to what was at the time a game-tying run at 1-1 for the Rays. The Orioles ended up loading the bases in nobody with nobody out in the fifth inning as they trailed three to two. That was thanks to a gift from the Rays, as the Rays could not field a horrible popped-up bunt by Jordan Westberg um, that ended up loading the bases with nobody out. 
It was not a good decision to bunt. If that was called from the dugout, it was bad. It, it was not executed well by Westberg in any case, but it ended up falling into a Bermuda triangle between the catcher, third baseman, and pitcher. Or maybe they thought they were letting it drop in uh, and intentionally and then muffed the drop. I don't know. But whatever the result, the result was the Orioles had the bases loaded, nobody out. And they got a Q-shot ground ball from Adam Frazier that they were lucky was not a ground into a double play ball. Uh, it was a four-sided at second base, fielder's choice. This did tie the game 3-3. Three to three. That was the first out. But then Adley Rutschman had a first pitch double play. It was a bad game for Rutschman. He was 0 for 4 in the game, but he was hardly the only one to have a bad game. As mentioned, only four hits and one walk for the entire team. Anthony Santander was 0 for 4. Austin Hayes was 0 for 3. These last two guys in particular, I mean, they're capable of going on heaters and propelling the Orioles from here into the ALE's title, but they're also totally uh, capable of slumping for the entire rest of the season and being part of why the Orioles have to settle for wildcard one. So especially over the next three games, I think the Orioles are going to need these guys who went hitless on Thursday night to uh, go somewhere positive. The decisive run in the game, as I'm sure you already know, came when the Orioles pushed Kyle Bradish into the seventh inning with the Rays' six, seven, and eight hitters due up the third time through the order. Bradish got two easy ground outs on two pitches each for the six, seven batters, then was up against Rays hitter Luke Raley, a quality Tampa Bay role player this year, although he was batting eighth in the game. He's OPS over 800 in about 400 plate appearances this year. Bradish ended up with a three to one count to Rayleigh. There were people on Camden chat who thought that this meant Rayleigh should have been walked. I get it. The aftermath is Rayleigh hit the go ahead homer and it was his 19th homer of the year. So it certainly didn't work out continuing to pitch at him. But I think putting the winning run on base intentionally or as a quote unquote intentional walk that doesn't go down in the box score as an IBB. I, honestly, I think it's loser thinking to do that. And I don't want to see the Orioles do that. I think that even though it was uh, a, like a 600 OPS raised catcher hitting ninth, I think they would have pinch hit their other catcher who's OPSing over 800 if there was an intentional walk to Rayleigh. And it's just, it's not good to put the go-ahead guy on base. That's what I think. Um, you want to count on your best pitcher to make a good pitch. Now, that said, Kyle Bradish did not make a good pitch. Rayleigh had swung through a slider on the 0-0 count as the first pitch of the at-bat. Bradish went a little bit higher, but still in the strike zone on that same pitch on the 3-1 count. And Rayleigh, to his credit and our disappointment, did not miss. And that was the 4-3 lead that ended up being the margin of victory for the game. In different circumstances, perhaps, the Orioles would not have felt the need to push Bradish into the seventh inning. He had 87 pitches to start the inning, so it's not wrong to push the starter, your best starter there. He is, after all, the best starter by results, and that was certainly not changed by Thursday's four earned runs in seven innings. But I also think the Orioles were kind of boxed in to feel like they had to do it because of the recent five innings or shorter starters by other starting pitchers with, again, the six-man starting rotation, meaning there's a short bullpen. So there's a continual ripple effect from this. And we're also seeing the ripple effect of Felix Bautista's injury. I think 
if he is in the bullpen, you can line up Danny Colomb or CNL Perez to come in versus uh, Ray's left-handed batters, Taylor Walls and Luke Rayleigh, who were due up second and third in that seventh inning. You could have Cano in the eighth, Bautista in the ninth. But instead, there's guys who are tired from getting used a lot. And running Braddish through the seventh to rest the relievers a little bit moved up the priority list maybe more than it would have in other circumstances. And, you know, that wasn't wrong, but it didn't work out on Thursday night. And that's a bummer because the result of all of this is the Orioles are now just a single game ahead of the race in the AL East race, losing both of the games against the Cardinals that were started by the high ERA, Adam Wainwright and Drew Rahm thanks to poor offense in those games, is looming large. It would feel so much better right now if the Orioles had only won either on Tuesday or Wednesday. But no, they lost. They lost both. The Orioles have now scored three or fewer runs in four of their last five games. Naturally, they are one and four in those games. It is a bad time for the offense to disappear. Me being me, I cannot help but think about the 2017 Orioles in the month of September who averaged fewer than three runs per game for the final month of the season as they fell out of the race. It was like they fought all year just to hang on that long, and that took all their energy, and then they had nothing left for the last month, and they were toast. Now, the 2023 Orioles are much better positioned uh, compared to the 2017 Orioles in terms of where they are in the standings at the beginning of the month. But also, the 2023 Orioles, by virtue of already having won eight games in the month of September, are already ahead of the 2017 Orioles, who went 7-21 and starting in the beginning of September. So, have already won more games uh, just at this point. So, you know... Um, they're better. And the Orioles, they're at a minimum, they are strongly likely to host a wild card series as the fourth seed. It would be a disappointing outcome relative to where things were after the Orioles won their game against the Cardinals on Monday, with, you know, at that point, what, uh, less than 20 games left in the season. That would be a bummer relative to where things were at that point. But I mean, compared to preseason expectations, wildcard one is not a bad outcome. It's just, I mean, really, it would be nice if the Orioles can get the bye. I think in general, it's always going to be good to get the bye, but specifically, it's going to be good for the Orioles to rest guys and line up starting pitchers. And I mean, they're going to have to win some games against the Rays here if they're going to do it. The assorted permutations for what can happen uh, the rest of the way in this series. So if the worst case happens... The Rays go on to a four-game mop of the Orioles, as the fellows on the Cespedes Barbecue podcast like to call a four-game sweep. The Rays would then exit the series with a two-game lead in the division, plus they would hold the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Orioles. So it would effectively be a three-game deficit for the Orioles, and at that point, the Rays will have all but officially won the AL East, I think. If the Rays win two out of the next three, Uh, That means they will have won three out of four in the series. The division would be tied at the end of the series. However, with the Orioles winning one game in the series, they would hold the head-to-head tiebreaker. So that's an effective one-game edge for the Orioles, despite the tie. If the Orioles can come back and win two of the next three games, the series would end with the Orioles at the same two-game lead they started with, and then they would have the tiebreaker in hand. So that's an effective three-game edge. 
And if the Orioles come back and win the remaining three games of the series, the Orioles would have a four-game lead plus that tiebreaker, an effective five-game edge. And that would be, you know, the Orioles pretty much all but officially having won the division at that point. One immediate problem with trying to summon good feelings about the Orioles preventing the Rays from pulling into a division tie on Friday night is that Jack Flaherty is the starting pitcher for the Orioles. The results since he's come and joined the Orioles are what they are. He's made seven starts. He's got a 7.16 ERA, a 5.17 FIP. So although he's been a bit unlucky, his uh, quote-unquote what he deserves is still bad. 1.663 whip, two home runs per nine innings. So it's the Adam uh, Adam Jones retiring as an Oriole ceremony. They've already announced it as a sellout almost a week in advance. It's going to be packed. There's going to be a lot of energy in the ballpark. Can that energy fuel either Flaherty or the offense or both? Well, let's hope. Um, the Rays starting pitcher, Zach Eflin, a 3.53 ERA, 1.052 whip on the season. It is not going to get any easier for the offense as they try to feed off the energy in the park tonight. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So we're going to dip into the mailbag. This is from listener Dave, who noted my comment in the last episode about Jim Johnson falling off a bit from 2012 to 13 and how that was part of the difference between those teams. And Dave writes in, as an Orioles fan, it feels like the Orioles have had some dreadful bullpens over the years. 
However, Dave realizes that with respect to closers, the Orioles have been lucky or perhaps even good, question mark. Johnson was there, and then the Orioles went on to have Zach Britton with a historically good year, surrounded by a number of very good years. And now, after a while later, they have had Felix Bautista, present injury notwithstanding. So Dave asks, are we spoiled? He says, I don't follow other teams as closely. The Yankees, of course, had Rivera. He's Hall of Fame for a reason. Other teams have had dominant closers with longevity, such as Craig Kimbrell or Jonathan Papelbon. But Dave wanted to know, do most slash many slash a few teams usually have someone in that class each year? And can anyone else brag that they've been able to turn relative nobodies into elite closers with such regularity over the last decade or so as the Orioles have done? So Dave, thank you for writing. And as far as putting the Orioles in context with other teams, both this year and in the recent past, I just want to say up front I am a provincial baseball fan. I don't care about any player who's not on the Orioles, except for when they're playing against the Orioles. So beyond that kind of thing, like who has what guy, how good he is, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Now, having said that, I have a hunch that the quote-unquote elite closer label is probably similar to the label of ace in that it's thrown around more often than it's deserved. So you have a team's quote-unquote ace is not always an ace in fact. And a given team's closer, though he may be fine or pretty good, that given team's closer is probably not always elite on the level of what we've seen from Felix Bautista or certainly going back a few years to Zach Britton's historically good season, as Dave noted, in 2016. So here's some context just with 2023 numbers. Uh, If you filter relief pitchers who've made at least 50 innings pitched this year, Felix Bautista, by the way, has thrown uh, 61. So I went a little bit below that to filter with 50. And uh, that's, that's why I picked that number. So that's our filter. Felix Bautista, number two in ERA with his 1.48 ERA. He was number one in strikeouts per nine innings, is number one. Number one in FIP, fielding independent pitching. Number three in WHIP, walks, hits per innings pitched. And if you count only pitchers with 20 or more saves, who I think you can argue are guys who have been closers, there's only five guys with an ERA under 2.50. And there are only three with an ERA under two. So to me, the vast majority of teams have nobody close to what Felix Bautista has done this year. And I think, although I will admit I'm not going to go back and look over the last five years or whatever, um, just to research this episode, I'm sorry, Dave, or anyone else who's disappointed in me for that. Uh, I think you're going to find that seasons like Bautista's 2023 are not terribly common. Maybe um, at most, like two teams are going to have something quite on this level in a given season. And beyond that, you're just looking at guys who are pretty good in the context of against other relievers, but not this kind of crazy elite. And by the way, the two closest guys by ERA to Bautista this season are Milwaukee's Devin Williams and Pittsburgh's David Bednar. And of those two guys, Williams is the only one who also had a sub two ERA last season. Now, Bautista didn't either. He had his 2.19 ERA last year also a sub one whip. So that's a pretty darn good 
two-year run for Bautista. Of course, we, uh, we have no way of knowing uh, what Bautista is going to be able to do next year. So, Dave, to answer all of your questions, a lot of it is I don't know, but I do know that Bautista has been amazing in a way that not many closers ever are over five months of a season. It's really going to be hard for the Orioles to replace him, whether that's just for the remainder of this year or all of next year or whatever. I mean, relievers, being relievers, there is absolutely no guarantee Bautista will ever be this good again, even uh, if he's healthy to pitch next year, doesn't need Tommy John surgery, whatever. It's just, it, it, can, it can be ephemeral. Um, relievers are a volatile bunch, and as you know, they can come like the wind, like the wind, touch everything, and like the wind, be gone. I stole that from the last lines of Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, by the way. Uh, but, you know, we all enjoyed Felix's The Mountain routine as he came into games while it was there. They even got into showing it on the mass and broadcast at times. And so, I mean, if that's all we get, that was still pretty good. I do hope we get some more, but, uh, you know, we, um, we cannot just assume it's going to return. So... There you go, Dave. I hope that was a satisfactory answer. Um, you know, Bautista, he was really freaking good. And it's sad that he is not around right now. How much it's going to hurt over the remaining games is to be determined. It, it hasn't cost the Orioles too much so far, but it has cost them a little bit. And at this point, every little bit it costs them could be the difference between winning the AL East and not. If you have a topic or a question you would like to have discussed on a future episode, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Dave, thank you again for writing, and to everyone else who's written in so far, thank you as well. Before I wrap up this episode, I just want to say it is awesome that Heston Kerstad got to make his Major League debut in Thursday's game against the Rays. Honestly, I would have put him in right field instead of Aaron Hicks in the starting lineup, but nobody asked me. We did ultimately have Hicks make a play that could have cost the Orioles. Would Kerstad have done better on balance? I don't know. Uh, of course, I have not been assiduously watching Norfolk Tides games to see how Kerstad has been doing in the outfield. I feel like just as a younger guy who has played uh corner outfield for, you know, his pro career and his college career. He should probably have more natural speed than Hicks at this point does in the outfield, especially with Hicks having been hobbled by assorted injuries this year and over the recent years of his career. But I don't know. The Orioles, they they do what they do. I don't always understand it. And, you know, they've won 91 games so far this season, even after, uh, even after Thursday's loss, the Orioles for the season are on pace to finish with um, 101 wins in the regular season. So that's pretty darn good. Obviously, we can second guess them on the margins, but they do what they do, and it's working out pretty darn well up to this point. Now, Kerstad, I don't know. I would have had him in the starting lineup, but we all know what Kerstad has been through just to get to where he's gotten. And it's great that he made it to major league baseball after the setbacks that he suffered just to get onto any pro diamond between his, uh, his myocarditis, the heart inflammation, and then having the, uh, injury that he suffered in the spring training when he was trying to get his way back just to get onto a low a roster. He made it. And that's great. You know, in the movie version of Thursday's game, 
Kerstad hits the game-tying home run as the pinch hitter in the eighth inning. But much like several years ago when Ryan Flaherty famously was gift as he snarled a vulgarity at Yankees then-closer Aroldis Chapman, real life does not get the movie version. So, I mean, going forward, I hope that we see Kerstad in the lineup a bunch in the remaining home games. I think having a left-handed power hitter who has the potential to really park it on the flag court or even Utah Street will be good. Um, It seems like the Orioles are not going to get too many left-handed starting pitchers lined up against them. The Rays do not have any on the board in the remaining three games of this series. And of the other teams that uh, they will be playing the rest of the season, there's only at most one left-handed starting pitcher based on guys who've been in their regular rotation. So at most one per series following the um, the Orioles series here against the Rays. So I hope that means we're in for uh, a good bit of Kerstad either in right field or maybe left field in road games or maybe designated hitter if they don't want to um, have him wherever uh, in the field. And, you know, I, I hope we see him. I hope that he's able to do some good things. But um, as we've seen with some of the Orioles' prospect debuts this year, we cannot just automatically assume that even a very highly rated prospect is able to come up and over the last three weeks just instantly do it. Of course, Colton Kowser, he uh, got into 77 plate appearances over 26 games, a 433 OPS, no homers. Joey Ortiz, 34 plate appearances over 15 games, a 448 OPS, no homers, just one extra base hit, a double in 33 at-bats. Major League Baseball, it's hard, man. Uh, Really, I mean, even you can go down to Kyle Stowers, who hit 067 across 33 plate appearances earlier in the year. And so, I mean, what can we get from Kerstad? I don't know. Uh, it's, It's not the movie version where he is the difference maker. And we'll see what happens in real life. I don't know. But that's all that I've got for today. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or review, or tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will see you again on Monday, hopefully with at least one win against the Rays to talk about, preferably two, but that's in the Orioles' hands now. We'll see. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.